0: And welcome to On the Horizon. This podcast is an extension of Horizon Church, a relationally driven, socially conscious, Jesus-centered church located in the heart of Towson, Maryland. And today we are recording from Dean Studios. Thank you, Bryce. My name is Beth McDonald, and today we'll be chatting with Mark and Missy Stevenson. Mark is one of the co-pastors at Horizon and has been so for over 13 years, right?
1: Fourteen, I think. Fourteen years. Okay.
0: Uh, Missy, his wife, leads women's studies at the church, and they co-lead a link group. Mark and Missy are two of my very favorite people, so I'm sure you're going to love getting to know them. Hey, guys. Welcome.
1: Hey. Thanks for having us.
0: You're welcome. Um, We're going to start and let you tell us a little bit about yourselves, so I'm going to let Missy go first. Uh, You are from the big state of Texas, right?
2: I am. I'm from Houston. I didn't leave Texas until I met Mark. Um, so I was there for 25 years before we, I moved up here and we got engaged. Great. And I'm a teacher. And you are, you're a professor. <laughs> well, I have to do seven years of research before I get that title. Okay. But yes, I'm an instructor at Towson University.
0: Great. And Mark's homegrown.
1: Yes, I I born and raised in Maryland, Reisterstown, Maryland. And then went away to college in Pennsylvania and actually went to seminary out in Texas and then came back to help plant uh, Horizon Church.
0: So, Mark, when did you decide you wanted to be a pastor?
1: Right, well, um, this wasn't something I... I I grew up with wanting to do. Um, I was a part of a Southern Baptist Church and big part of the youth group, and that was a big part of my life. And then um, I had a real heart for my friends at school. I went to Franklin High School and...
0: In Reisterstown? In right?
1: Reisterstown Public High School and just had a real heart for my friends to know Christ. Um, so I tried to live out my faith. I feel like God got a hold of me early when I was in the seventh grade. For some reason it just clicked that it was a relationship with Christ that was real. And so I really wanted my friends to experience that. So I did a lot of um, just witnessing to my friends and, and sharing Christ with them and trying to be an example. And then the biggest thing though, the I guess my calling happened the summer between my junior and senior years of high school. and. Uh, me and some friends decided we had never read the whole Bible. And so we were going to read the whole Bible, um, old and new Testament that summer, which if you've ever tried, that requires an enormous amount of time reading,
0: especially Leviticus. Yeah, that
1: was the fun stuff. Um, I think I was spending probably an hour and a half a day reading and praying. And, and so, um, it was in that time that my uncle was dying of AIDS. And so that was a big scandal because on, on my mom's side of the family, they were from Indiana, like farm, you know, grew up right. on a farm. So um, that was very uh, sort of scandalous. And uh, but my uncle, he, he had contracted HIV and was dying of AIDS. And I just one time when I was spending time with the Lord reading the Bible, I felt like the Lord asked me to go share the gospel with him. And I was 16, 17 years old. So I felt like there's no way there's got to be somebody better to do that. <laughs> So I made a bargain with God, which is never a good thing to do, but I said, if you get me out there, and we had no plans of going out there to Indiana, if you get me out there, I'll share the gospel. And that's exactly what he did. Two weeks later, my mom said, you know, Uncle Rusty's dying. We're going to go visit him. And so, uh, you know, I I had a lot of trepidation. I tried to back out a few times, but uh, at the end of it, I was holding my uncle's hand, you know, Mm -hmm. sharing the gospel with him. Right. And his brain had atrophied from AIDS a little bit, so he wasn't very verbal, but um, after I shared the gospel with him, told him that Jesus loved him no matter what, you know, and that we wanted him to be in heaven with us. And my grandmother was there, my mom was there, my sister was there. They were all bawling their eyes out, you know, in the, in the hospital room. And um, at the end, he looked up at me and he looked me in the eye and he, and he nodded his head and he said, thank you. And so I feel like something happened there. I don't really know what, but... Um, that was sort of the linchpin i guess the final moment of when i got back to maryland i really felt like the lord said this is what i want you to do the rest of your life so that was sort of my calling into ministry and i changed my major i was going to go to messiah college major in biology and i changed it to biblical studies
0: you were going to be pre-med right
1: yes i come from a, a family of pharmacists and doctors and nurses. And so the medicine was very familiar to my family. And so that's something I was interested in. And I love the sciences. I took six maths and six sciences in, in four years of high school. So I was very into that. Um, How
0: did you do that?
1: Doubled up. Okay. Yeah. A couple times I was taking two sciences at a so, time and so two maths.
0: So kind of a nerd. A little bit of a nerd. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, but the but the Lord said, you know, that's that's not where I want you. Right. And so I went and did biblical studies and and I was also, you know, the Lord raised me up. It was really cool how, how he did it. He in high school he I he allowed me to be senior class president, hmm. captain of the basketball team, captain of the soccer team. So even though I was this kid that people couldn't really figure out because I was always talking about Jesus and trying to share the gospel with him. He had raised me up into these positions that that was very visible. And so it was it was a neat um, opportunity to kind of get to try to be in that place. And yeah,
0: had you always been a leader? Like when when did you know people follow me?
1: Uh,
0: Because I mean, as class president and
3: all of that.
1: Yeah, I was a shy kid growing up. At some point, something flipped and the more dominant part of my personality came out. I think sports helped with that. Sure. Um, But I would say, yeah, it started to happen in high school. And then certainly in high school, I started leading on the sports teams and things like that. And um, the dominant part of my personality came out. I wouldn't say I was a very good leader. (laughs) (laughs) I just uh, spoke up when other people didn't and stepped in there to, take charge when other people didn't so I wasn't I wasn't a very good leader but, but I at least did that so um, and then I think later on in life the Lord had to teach me how to what real leadership looked like but yeah
0: you went to Baylor for seminary
1: I did why in, Baylor yes. why
0: Texas
1: well so Baylor if you don't know is located in Waco Texas right and at the time the only thing Waco was known for was Dave Koresh you know they called it wacko Waco, Waco.
0: No, no, Joanna
1: and Chap. No, see, the, the, you know, Magnolia had did not exist. And she was a
2: Baylor student there. She then. was a Baylor student mm-hmm. at the same
1: time mm-hmm. uh, that I was there in seminary. I think she's around her same age. She's right? my age. Okay. She's a
2: year younger.
1: So she was in her senior year when I was in my first, she was in her senior year at Baylor when I was in my first year at seminary there. Okay. Um, but yeah, RG3 hadn't happened. Those of you who like football, um, the Heisman, you know, like, Art Bryles hadn't come to, you know, Baylor football was terrible. Okay. Um, So Waco was very different when when I was there. But, yeah, three years of seminary there. um, Loved it. It was a great experience.
0: Then how did you end up at Horizon? Back
3: home.
1: Right. So when I was in my final years at Messiah College, which is where I went to school up in Pennsylvania, just outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, um, these two guys moved up from New Orleans to plant a church in the Owings Mills area. And they called it Horizon Church. And my sister was a big part of it. She was a part of the ground floor, the very first small group that they had. So I got to hear about this church plant and how they were wanting to do church differently. And because I had spent time in high school trying to witness to my friends, you know, actually a couple of my friends did come to my Southern Baptist church that I invited them to, but it was like a terrible environment (laughs) for them. And when Young Life came to my high school, my senior year, at one point, I had 60 kids in, in my parents' basement at a Young Life
0: club. With a Young
3: Life? Okay. Yeah.
1: So I saw how Young Life was so much better at reaching people for Christ than my Southern Baptist church was. And that sparked in me like a desire to do church differently. And these guys, you know, Dave and Clay moved up from uh, New Orleans to plant a church, and they were doing church differently. And I love that. So I got to learn some from them. And then when I went to seminary, I actually took a church planning class. Mm -hmm. I was very interested when I graduated on trying to go be a part of something that was doing church differently. Um, So I did an internship the summer before my last year of seminary with Horizon. Uh, And at the time, they were looking to plant a church in Towson. So I spent some time with the Owings Mills crew and then some time with this fledgling group. It was really just a small group that met in someone's basement at the time. And I spent some time with them that summer before my last year's seminary. And at the end of the summer, they invited me back. Dave and Clay said, after seminary, when you graduate, we'd love for you to come back and be a part of us and come on staff. Um, and so I did.
0: And uh, there, then there's, there's the rest of the story. That was the beginning. Yeah.
1: And I, I want to give a shout out to their names, Clay Carver, Dave Cowan. They were the guys that started Horizon. Church of Owings Mills that then planted Horizon Church of Towson. These guys risked a lot to bring me on staff. Hmm. They had just brought uh, Leslie Webster on staff in January. They had no money. And then June rolled around of 2004. OK. And here they invite me to be on staff. And it was and they literally took pay cuts like they froze their wow, salary. I didn't, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Just to bring me on staff. Hmm. Uh, And they didn't really know me. I mean, I had interned that summer, but they didn't know me that well. You know what I mean? But here they believed in me enough to really take a huge risk and freeze their own salaries. I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, this is what, you know, paid for their family's groceries. Um, But it taught me a lot about the kingdom and about ministry and about what it takes to plant a church, you know, and the sacrifice. That,
0: sacrifice and generosity. Yeah,
1: they, they they made huge sacrifices just to bring me on staff. So that had a big impression on me. Uh, forever indebted to, to Clay Carver and Dave Cowan for that.
0: That's great. How many did you start out with, Horizon?
1: Did, it, did you start,
0: you, you started in the theater? Is that uh, where you started meeting? Yeah, so
1: it started in I think Tronster Hartley's basement okay. really is a small group of 20 people Okay. that eventually started doing services in the Towson Theater at the time, which was an AMC theater. Right. Very run down, you know, mice running up the walls yes, kind I of remember. thing. Uh, I remember. <laughs> now it's the LA Fitness, but before it was this run down AMC theater. And um, yeah, and so there was about 30, I think, when they first started doing Sunday services 30. in one of the little theaters there. Uh, So yeah, very small. Everyone was in their 20s. We had almost no, I think Ben and Nikki Hughes were one of the first married couples that had kids. Mm. We had almost no kids, um, uh, no money, uh, no one with real jobs, almost no one with a real mortgage. Uh, Everyone (laughs) was sort of fresh out of college and just wide-eyed and, you know, trying to do church differently.
0: Right. So everybody was starting out together. Yeah. That's great. I love that. So, Missy, when did you come from Texas? So, um, June 2004, when
2: he came on staff for Horizon, he just graduated seminary, is when we met. Okay. So, we met. He had had the job for two weeks, um, and we met then. Um, so the following June of 2005, I came up we had been to live leave, here. Yes, yeah, so, so we started dating in June of 2004 and then I moved up here for the summer to see if I liked him enough to stay. <laughs> in June 2005, and we got engaged in July 2005.
0: Okay. Okay. And you met at a wedding? We did in Waco. So what was it about Mark that made you interested? You guys started talking on the phone a lot? Um it had to
2: only be God because um, <laughs> I generally was not attracted to people immediately. Every other guy I had dated, I had known them for a good bit of time before okay. I was even attracted to them. Um, but we met at a Starbucks before the wedding. All, everybody who was part of the wedding party met at a Starbucks at the seminary he went to. Um, right. And then we walked over to the, um, to the rehearsal together. Um, but so when Amy introduced us, she had already told both of us about the other. Okay. So there was, both of us had an aha moment of, oh, this is the person she's been telling us to meet. Um, but I was attracted to him, but he didn't speak to me <laughs> for like a day. He didn't really talk to me. I,
1: I introduced myself at Starbucks, I think. We we had a little small talk. And then
2: there, but... after that, every conversation I had with people, he was about a foot behind us. I hovered,
1: really.
3: <laughs>
2: And he never participated in it. He didn't really speak. And then at the re- at, that's funny. that was at the re- before the rehearsal, at the wedding reception. <laughs> so a lot goes on between. Right. Is when he started talking to me. So um, the, la- the last opportunity. The last opportunity we talked in the food line. Um,
1: My really good friend Chad was talking to her the whole time and making her feel comfortable, and that.
2: Because that's his gift.
1: And. And I and I just thought, man, I better get in there. Chad's gonna. Chad's gonna steal this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Chad swears that he was not. He's really good
2: at making people. I I didn't know anybody at the wedding except for the bride and groom. Okay. And so everybody at the wedding went to seminary together, and I worked at camp with the bride um, in Missouri. Gotcha. Okay. And so um, I didn't know anybody. I went to, had gone to a different college. I drove up just for the wedding. I had decided not to take a date to the wedding. Um,
1: It's a good move. So uh,
2: (laughs) Chad, I didn't know anybody, and Chad was being welcoming.
0: So he paved the way for Mark to. Yeah.
2: I'm still
1: chicken down on getting her number. She left. She left the wedding.
0: So how did you connect later?
1: So this is great. This is i think part of the part of the god thing she literally walked out of the doors of the seminary and to her car to the parking lot
2: mm-hmm. well first i hung around because even <laughs> though he had not spoken to me much i i was drawn to him
3: mm-hmm.
2: um and i hung around and didn't dry i was going to visit my best friend um in dallas because waco's halfway between dallas and houston and um and I hung around to see if he'd asked for my phone number, and he didn't. So I finally just left.
1: I was getting up the courage, too. <laughs> and I just could never find a moment, you know. Um,
0: that makes me laugh because you don't strike me as somebody who would need to gear up
1: for oh that. Oh, my gosh. I was terrified. <laughs> so she walks out and goes to her car, and I'm like, oh, man. So And I literally sit down on a chair and pray and say, God, am I supposed to go pursue her? And I just feel like the Lord said, go. So I still didn't want to look like I was chasing her down. So I actually walked to the other end of the seminary so that people wouldn't see me leave the same door she did. (laughs) So it didn't look like I was chasing her down. So I walked all the way around to the other side to use a different door, walked out to the parking lot, and I thought, oh no, she's gone, I missed it. Mm. And then I saw, somebody in a car. <laughs> and I walk up to the car to the driver's side and I lean down to the window and scare this person half to death cuz it wasn't Missy. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, Whoa. never mind. <laughs> so then I I I I just thought I missed it. Right. I missed it. So I go walking away from the parking lot back into the back into the seminary building. And then I hear her behind me, "Did you say my name?" Mhm. She, like, called out my name. She had been in the Starbucks that was right there on the other side of the parking lot. And she. so the timing was just right. amazing. She's walking out of the Starbucks. She decided to get a drink before she got on her drive to Dallas. So she's coming out of the Starbucks after having gotten the drink as I'm walking away. You know, and so she yells That's out amazing. my name. And I turn around and I'm like, yes. <laughs> I didn't miss it. I almost missed it. <laughs>
3: something
0: about you and starbucks
1: i know important things happen at starbucks in your
0: life but then he gave
2: me his phone number
1: i didn't know what the protocol was oh i didn't know if it was okay (laughs) to get her number like to ask a girl for her number and she thought might think that was too much so like instead i wrote my number down on a card and gave it to her and she kind of looked at me funny like what are you doing (laughs) i think you said do you want my number or something like that
2: yeah I said, I'll give you my number and you can give me a call. Right. Being right. born and raised in
0: Texas, you don't right. call boys. Ladies don't call boys. No.
3: So anyway, it was really funny.
1: I was such a novice. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But, yeah, so then we started emailing and then calling. and then.
0: That's great. And then you, you moved up here. I did. A, a teaching job, right? I did. We, um,
2: we decided. Um, I knew pretty quickly. We both knew pretty quickly that we were going to get married after we met. And on the drive to Dallas, I called my family and my friends and told them I would met my husband. I did not tell Mark that. Um.
1: Take note, ladies. <laughs> she did not tell me that. Yeah. Which was very smart.
2: Yeah. But it was pretty um, evident about six months in that we were going to get married. So when I moved up in June, we decided... Um, I would, before I quit my job in Houston, teaching. I was teaching in Houston to see if I could get any job offers in Baltimore. And I did, and so God just opened up several doors um, for me to leave the school I was at well, to get a new job here, to leave the, get out of the lease I was in in Houston, and to find somewhere to live here. Like, a lot of doors just opened right. up and
0: made it pretty clear that I was
2: supposed to stay.
0: How did you feel about being a pastor's wife? Is that something you had to think about?
2: Before we got married, mm-hmm. um, I did. He kept on telling me about it. I, um, my best friend is a pastor's wife. Um, the one I was actually going to see, um, actually a, a good a handful of my really close friends are pastors' wives. So it wasn't a life I was unfamiliar with. Okay, um, and a lot of my friends. Either. So a lot of my friends either married pastors or actually went into the ministry themselves. Um, it, it was really hard for me to think about. I, I didn't think about becoming a pastor's wife. It was more about just becoming Mark's wife. Mark's so right. it was mostly about um, just I was marrying Mark not and he happened to be a pastor. Right. So I didn't really totally think about that becoming.
1: It's not really something you wanted. You had friends that pers- like that's something they would. Put that was like list, a goal. Like, oh, interesting. Like they wanted to be. That's yeah, yeah. not something you ever wanted.
2: Yeah. No. <laughs> I didn't grow up Baptist either, so I didn't right. think I would ever um, marry someone for the Baptist background. Sure. That was um, something I I didn't necessarily see myself doing. Um, so it wasn't a lie. It wasn't right. what I expected. I, I never would have thought of it.
1: Or living in Maryland. Right. Or
2: living
0: in Maryland. I know you yeah. miss Texas. Yeah. what do you lo- what do you miss most um besides family I know yeah, my family's family, there but besides um that. the
2: people and the culture is just really unique down there mm-hmm. um, It's a really warm climate, not just weather wise the um people are warm, people are really friendly mm-hmm. um, I use the word easy a lot to describe it, and it's not because it's not it doesn't have bustling cities I mean Houston is busier. And more trafficy sure. than Baltimore, and
0: bigger. Right? Um,
2: and bigger, um, but there is just an ease of living down there, and I think it has to do with people make life easy for other people down there. If that makes sense, it does. Like people just, um, it's just easy being around other people down there,
0: and the culture is just good. I don't That's know. interesting. So you're at Towson now. So how did you get from teaching? Did you always want to be a teacher? No. Oh, what did you want to be?
2: I wanted to be a journalist. So I started off okay. as a journalism major and then decided I could be a journalist as an English major. Okay. And so um, and it would broaden me up in case I wanted to teach. So there was always an in case I wanted to teach, and it kind of was my um, backup plan if mm-hmm. I couldn't make it in the world of journalism. Um, so the summer after I graduated... Um, before I did my student teaching, I went to Nashville, and I interviewed at Lifeway, and I was going to go work for one of their um, young adult magazines, and, and that was going to be mm-hmm. what I was going to do, and I was going to student teach and finish up that um, certification so that I had it done. Right. And I really liked it. You enjoyed student teaching? Mm-hmm. So I really liked it. I really enjoyed it and decided that this is just, it was more of where God wanted me. hmm
0: so how did you go from teaching to being a, uh, at the college level? Um,
2: well, that was also just another God thing. I was um, working at Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. So, um, ba- oh, that's babies, right. I remember babies,
1: that. Babies are so you had- one of the reasons why that happened.
2: So when Nate was one, in Nate's first year, I was working full-time still at, at, in high school. English is what I taught um, and we were going to do it because we needed the second income. But we just, it was about halfway through that year that, it was like February, I think, that we were like, we can't, I couldn't keep doing it. Right.
0: Um, no, I know, it's a, it's a lot of work.
2: It Outs- was. Outside it was a of lot. those
0: hours that you're at
2: school. The hours were so much, and um, the workload was heavy. So we decided we were just going to take a risk, and I was going to quit teaching when Nate was one, and just really pray for Um, Opportunities for so for about that was June 2010. Um, So I did a lot of odds and ends. I worked uh, for Chick fil A for marketing, I did a lot of curriculum writing, I did a lot of online stuff um, up until 2013. Um, And then I just uh, the Mark was friends with the what was Mike's job, Baptist pastor, I mean, the student Baptist. Yeah, there was a Minister. ministry
1: leader on campus for the Baptist student ministries.
2: And so Mark was working closely with Mike McQuitty. And then his wife, Vicki McQuitty, is a professor in the education, College of okay. Education Towson. So she was the first person to give me my foot in the door. I had supervised student teaching from um, already. And then when she found out I had already done that, she um, put my name in and got me in right. to start teaching. So you enjoy it? There's no going back to high school? Yeah, I don't think so.
0: <laughs> I do enjoy it a lot. It's more mani- more manageable, or yeah,
2: it's flexible. We work it around um, the kids' school schedule, the sc- um, kids' preschool schedule. Um, the workload is less, the money is less, but the workload is less also. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes it more. It makes it easier for me to be more present with the kids
0: and ba- have a little bit of balance. Yeah. Right. So you have three children.
3: hmm
0: Can you tell me a little bit about each one?
2: Uh, Nate's our oldest. He turned nine um, this past summer. Um, he's a really strong leader. That's his consistent, mm-hmm. the consistent thing we hear from teachers at school um, is that he has really strong natural leadership um, skills already. Um he innately knows the right thing to do, and he, he really strives hard to do that. Um, we, I would say a worry of mm-hmm. ours is his perfectionism mm-hmm. but because he strives so much to do things well. Um, sometimes he beats himself up a little too much over not doing things well. Right. Um, but he is. He's a strong leader. He's a great oldest child. He takes care of his brother and sister really well. Um, I don't know, what else would you add? He's about really
1: thoughtful
3: mm-hmm.
1: and he has an incredible memory. That kid can memorize, mm-hmm. like I have never seen. I mean...
2: <laughs> he he started it off a Bible verse. In in Awana. So he's a
1: part of this Awanas club on <laughs> right. Tuesday nights, you know? And they have to memorize scripture. And he, he'll memorize like six, seven, eight passages of scripture. It'll take him 10 minutes.
0: That's amazing. That's really helpful not, in school.
1: Not only will he remember it, but he'll remember it weeks later. Yeah, it's not short-term wow. memory. And yeah. we're like, what? what?
3: <laughs> I can't remember where my keys are.
1: <laughs> it's, it's really amazing. That's
2: he's great. an avid
0: reader.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. lots of reading. He
0: loves to read. Re- often when I see him, he's reading a book.
1: So. Yeah,
2: he loves to read. Um, right now he's going through the Harry Potter series, so he's really loving that. Um,
1: plays soccer, plays baseball, loves baseball.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely his, his best sport is baseball. Um Then you have Wes. Wesley is um will be seven in January. And he's just our little bundle of life. He um he's,
1: his, a, he's a lover.
2: He's our lover <laughs> for sure. He snuggles, loves words kisses. of affirmation, kisses.
1: He could kiss his, he could kiss mommy a hundred times Aww. and not that's so not good old. But he could just
2: or his reign of my love yous he's he's very very affectionate yeah um he um he when he was in utero he had issues with his kidneys and so um he was kind of and then now he has asthma so there's a lot about him that i feel like we have concerns about medically but he is just unfazed by all of it <laughs> he um his kindergarten teacher echoed something i told her um, throughout the year, she just said it just every time she thought of what she thought of this phrase is that he's all in because mm, I told sure. her that once when he, they were having like a spirit day. Right. And she's like, that just describes him perfectly. And I would say that's that's who he is. Like, despite anything, if it's cold, out it doesn't matter what's if he doesn't feel well, nothing matters. He's all in. Um, so he's just one hundred and ten percent at everything he does. That's great. He, um, he's got a lot of a lot of energy.
1: He's really creative, loves c- wearing costumes.
2: He is. He's very creative. That's great. That's fine. Very costume. Um, I think sometimes his, um, his hyper-focus on what he's doing mm-hmm. makes him, him seem um, defiant, but he's not defiant at all, and I think he he's a little bit more of um, – he's just so into what he's doing right. all the time that right. it's hard for him to break away from sure. it. Sure. Um, so he's, he has stretched us in that way to learn how to um, – <laughs> find strategies tell him 10 times to brush his teeth strategies to break away from what he's focused on to focus on what we want him to and that's quite different from nate but um but it's just so fun to see him so into stuff into things that's great
0: yeah that's so fun and then little emily yeah so she's she's four and she's um
1: she's adorable
2: she's a daddy's girl Totally a daddy's girl. She always has been. He was the only one who she'd stop crying for when Aww. she was little, a baby. Um, she loves her brothers. She calls them the brothers, the brothers. Cute. Um, she waits impatiently for them to get home every single day from school. Cute. Wes and her play like crazy together. Mm-hmm. They just live in this little imaginative, imaginative world that's adorable. Um. She's bossy (laughs) um, and persistent.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: And she knows what she wants and she lets us all know. And she just added a whole bunch to our family that we, I don't think, realized we were missing. Mm Because she's just, she's so fun. It's so interesting to have three children who are so uh, different from one another.
1: She has so much joy, so much fun. She just, I think she brings joy and fun mm. into the room when she walks in the room.
2: She loves to dance.
1: She loves Non-stop. to dance.
2: <laughs> everything is a song. She
0: makes up songs for everything. Oh, I love that. So
2: she's very girly,
0: which is
3: that fun. Which is fun
0: for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really fun. So you are te- teaching at the college level. You have three children and you lead some women's Bible studies. Yeah, you've been doing that for a while, right?
2: Yeah, I think the first time we started offering women's Bible studies was somewhere around Mark in my first year being married, so somewhere in the two thousand six, two thousand seven range. Um, I've taken a couple semesters here and there off when I've had babies, but mm-hmm. for the most part, yeah, I've I've led them with a handful of different people. Um, Angela um, Stanford is definitely the lead on it these days. Right. Um, I let it with my sister-in-law Jen for a while with Tara. So yeah, just different people throughout. And it's Missy been fun. Won't
0: say this, but she's really good at leading. <laughs> really good at leading discussions. You're oh, very good you. at it. Thank you. Have you had a favorite or is that hard to pick?
2: That's really hard to pick. I was talking to Mark about that. Um Anything by Beth Moore and Priscilla Schreier are always my favorites. Right. I love them too. Um I would say each of them have just come in different seasons. So I, I do a lot of them by myself and I do a lot with groups. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have different favorites based on in different environments. Um, I recommend probably Breaking Free the most by Beth Moore. Right. I think my favorite to do with the Horizon Women was Esther. Okay. Gosh, way back. I don't even know when. Um, one of my favorites to do by myself was Daniel. I mm-hmm. think it was mostly because I was doing it when Katie Laughlin got sick, and it just felt mm. like it was really timely. Sure. Um, so I feel like every Bible study I have different different things that stood out to me. Right, God, it. God brings them in. Yeah, though. Priscilla Schreier's I love the armor of God. That was a great
0: one. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Mark, have you had a like a favorite sermon series that you've done or
1: mm. no <laughs>
0: too hard to pick
1: it's tough you know when you think about 14 years of ministry and a right. different series it's every a lot month of
0: sermons do you know how many you've given oh
1: my lord no i don't i you know it's it's like picking your favorite child right um right i will say that there's been a couple that have stood out uh not because they were my favorite but more because of what almost what I learned from them.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: One was one sermon I preached in a seminary class. It was a preaching class. And you had to get up in front of the class and preach a sermon.
0: That would be intimidating.
1: And they're all taking notes on like what they're gonna critique you on sure. afterwards. And I'm preaching this sermon and I'm looking out at my s- fellow classmates and they're all just you know, looking at me and taking notes. And then I look at my professor. His name is Dr. Pollard and this guy changed my life. He's over in the corner he's down here on the my right lower right side sitting close to me he's just weeping mm. and i'm like what what is happening <laughs> <laughs> because my you know other twenty twenty year old twenty one year old seminary students they're right. just stoic right and taking notes right and he's something different is happening with him mm. and I know it wasn't My sermon, I'm a seminary student learning how to preach. This is a preaching class. He's teaching me how to preach. Right. And what it taught me was how much we get out of a sermon has so much to do with our heart posture. Mm -hmm. Um, And while it's, you you wanna have a good sermon, you wanna have a good presentation, there's skills that you can learn, There's, there's gifting, all of that's true. But then there's this other side and it's the recipient. It's the heart posture of the recipient. And he's sitting there with this incredibly humble heart posture. Of so somehow he is hearing from the Lord, and everyone else is just taking mm-hmm. notes on what they're going to critique mm-hmm. in my sermon. But he, he something different is happening with him because of him, mm-hmm. because of his heart.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So that that was one that I'll forever oh, sure. remember. Sure. Um, the other one is actually Horizon Mills and Horizon <laughs> Towson early on in the history of Horizon Towson. We did a combined Easter service. Hmm. And so our worship teams combined together and led worship together. And then uh, we had done this a couple times, and I was actually up in the rotation to preach. And something happened. I can't remember which year it was, but something happened. When I got to preach, it's hard to describe, but it was like the room was electric, and it was hmm. like the presence of God, like, descended. <laughs> it sure. was crazy. But there was there was... That one was memorable because of the feeling of, it felt like because we combined, because we joined together, hmm. because there was such unity in the room between these two churches. Again, not not because there was something special with my sermon, but because of that atmosphere, like the Lord did something special. Right. Like it was powerful. We all walked away like, man, what just happened? Right. You know, it was really powerful.
0: That's beautiful. So is teaching your favorite part of being a pastor preaching or is it something
1: else yeah I'd say it's definitely one of my favorites Mm -hmm. Um, um, teaching and preaching are definitely yeah I I feel like there's a gifting there that I get to use Mm -hmm. it's also I think what some people don't know about the sermon creation process is that it's a creative process Mm -hmm. so sometimes people think it's like putting together lesson plans for teaching and Mm -hmm. it's a lot less like that and it's a lot more like making music or making painting a painting you know like to me it's it's less like creating like creating a curriculum and it's more like a painting Mm -hmm. so for me there's a real it's it's the creative side of me gets to come out in in making it's crafting a sermon uh so that part's fun for me
0: what do you wish people knew that you do that you don't think people realize in the congregation pastor yeah or or anything else i mean what do you Um, wish the congregation knew yeah that you don't think they are aware of
1: um you know what you see on sunday morning is just the very very tip of the iceberg Mm -hmm. Um, we joke about ryan and i joke about we just get to work once a week right but we really, when we say that, just know we really are joking when we say that.
0: <laughs> I'm sure Missy can attest to that, right? Um, it,
1: it really is. The, it's almost the fruit of everything else we do. Mm. It's almost, it's like, you know, people don't know that I get there early on Sunday. And a lot of times me and Nate set up the chairs <laughs> um, mm. every Sunday morning. Sunday after Sunday, people don't know that they're sitting in those chairs cause me and my oldest son set them up, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, that there's lots of hours behind the scenes working with married couples. Missy mm-hmm. and I have done premarital counseling right. f- for like 40 couples. We've done crisis marriage counseling for other couples. You know, there's a lot of behind the scenes, um, with that. There's a lot of behind the scenes in praying for people. Um, I think people don't know how many people I pray for, Mm -hmm. both in an intercessory way, like in the morning when I'm spending time with God, praying for people, uh, but also going to them and praying for them, Mm -hmm. either at a Starbucks or at their house, or there's a lot of being with people in crisis. Um, And when you're the one in crisis, obviously your crisis is the most important one. Sure. Um, and, and, And that's true for me, too. When I'm in crisis, my crisis is the most important one. But when you're a pastor it's the fourth one you've seen that day right or the you know the the fifth one you've engaged in that week um so there's an emotional um expenditure there's an emotional toll that then then you have to come home and your your wife and your kids are expecting you to not just go take a nap you know (laughs) like you you have to be emotionally available for your kids and, and for your wife and and so it's, it takes real endurance I think emotionally to do pastoring
0: where, where does that endurance come from? Is it something you've developed? Yeah
1: um, The reset for me is my time with the Lord in the morning
3: mm-hmm.
1: so when I when I go and spend time with the Lord I feel like he fills me in a very not in like a metaphorical way in a very real way mm-hmm. to be ready for the day and then And then it's like a feeling like I need to go back to him again. Mm -hmm. There's there's not a feeling of like I should go spend time with the Lord because I know I'm supposed to. It's much more like I'm not going to make it if I don't (laughs) if I don't go get refueled. Right. And 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 feed on his word and feed in his presence and get emotionally refueled and spiritually refueled. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a huge part. And then I think just the experience of doing it for years, you, you just like running. If you do it for years, right. you, you build an endurance to right. be able to... Your, God increases your capacity as you, as you faithfully um, steward something. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it, too, I think.
0: That's good. You both make that a priority. Mm-hmm. Missy, you're, you, you're one who gets up and yeah does a study every morning.
2: Yeah, and that was really modeled for me by my mom and an older sister mm. um, early on. And so it was something that I think I learned as a teenager. And that stuck with me. Right.
1: What well, do you, I think that's something that, that people don't, probably don't know about Missy.
0: I was, oh, I, that was coming. Yeah. Go <laughs> ahead. Tell yeah. me. What do you wish people knew about well, Missy? That, just that.
1: Yeah. That, that she's up at five in the morning uh, and has been for two decades or more, over mm-hmm. two decades, praying, interceding, mm-hmm. uh, doing a Bible study. Um, so naturally, as a pastor, people are going to come to you for like questions about life or scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, but Missy is, is as capable of answering any of that as right. I am. Um, that's just been a big part of her life for decades. So.
0: And I love that about her. Right. Missy, what do you wish people knew about Mark that you don't think we know?
2: Um, I think because he's so, um, he has such a strong personality. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize that he is as sensitive as he is. Mm-hmm. He is, um, he's sensitive to other people's words. Mm. Um, he's sensitive to what people are going to pretty, um, pretty quickly. He, he, as, um, he just, he, he deeply feels, um, what people say, what people feel. And he, he walks with them in that. Right. He's really sensitive and he's a, um, sensitive to our kids needs Mm -hmm. and to my needs and, and I don't think people would peg him as a caretaker, but he is very much a caretaker in our house. So it's definitely a, a 50-50 split on the nurture and caretaking that happens in our home. Um, he dances with his daughter probably <laughs> nightly. I don't think people would expect that. Um, That's great. He's really great at talking to the boys and, and helping them process. I, I, I think just people don't realize how, um, how tender he is mm. towards other people.
0: You both cook. To get, you both take turns cooking, right?
2: Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. We take definitely take turns cooking. Right. Whoever's not cooking is, is doing homework or something else. But um, Mark's a better cook than me, so really, it works out nicely, yeah.
1: Well, no. M- Missy is the baker. Okay. So all the yummy dessert baking cake. She's like an expert cake baker. Mm-hmm. She could be on one of those cake baking shows. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go that far. Um so I, she's definitely excels at the baking more than I do. I, I think I just um, throw things together. <laughs>
0: well, it must taste. You must do a good job throwing it in You there. know,
1: I spent a season of my life watching the Food Network. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd say a good... Like, nonstop. It was. I'd yeah. say there was a decade of so my life. was absorbed main, it all? It was either Food
2: Network or CNN. Those were, like, the two things that <laughs> yes. <I went> on.
1: <laughs> I spent a decade with, like, two things I watched. That's awesome. CNN or... food network so I learned a lot from those
0: chefs (laughs) what do you guys do for fun together the two of you or the two of us or as a family
2: (laughs) I would say for the two of us we we try to go away for our anniversary each year Mm -hmm.
1: um occasionally we'll get a date night which is once in a blue moon which is super fun
2: yeah but our anniversary we usually try to get away um Or just send the kids away somehow we're without kids um (laughs) but as family we do a lot of fun we we really enjoy family activities um i'd say both of us that's that's a highlight of seasons when we can do family outings and family activities
1: we have these seasonal traditions that we do every summer there's a pilgrimage to texas um, every <laughs> September, we do apple and pumpkin picking mm-hmm. up at Bulger's in Tawnytown. Town. Um, we go and cut our Christmas tree down after Thanksgiving every year. Every, uh, not every spring, but a lot of springs, we go down to see the cherry blossoms. Right. So there's these traditions that kind I of like that. are seasonal that, that that really we started when
2: before kids came, we started Just them. The two of you. Yeah. We started them as a way for Mark to get me to fall in love with Maryland. So he <laughs> each season right. he would show me how beautiful Maryland is. Has it worked? Yes, I do love the seasons. <laughs> I think yeah. Maryland is beautiful. Yeah.
1: It, it was the I was trying to, it was like the things that Maryland had that Texas didn't. Right. Uh, like the four seasons and cherry blossoms and apple and pumpkin picking and these sort right. of things are not normal things in Texas right. necessarily. Right. Um,
2: so they are our favorite things
0: now, for sure. Yeah. That's great. I love that. So I'm going to ask – there's a few questions that on the podcast I'm going to ask everybody and end each podcast with that. So the first one is, what is feeding your soul right now? Mm. And I know we hear from each of you. You
1: first. Uh, I know this is so, like – churchy Sunday school cliche but this is the truth <laughs> it is it is it is that time with the Lord in the morning mm-hmm. um, so I would say over the last three or four years that time with the Lord has dramatically changed mm-hmm. um, to where I'm having these encounters with the Lord in, in very tangible ways nearly every morning um which was not the norm for my life for, for forever you know uh, um, I you know would read the Bible and pray and, and it was all good and um, but I would say in the last in the last three years specifically um I had these profound encounters with the Lord where his presence is so rich and so real and so tangible um, that I just can't believe that I I really can't believe that I get to be with the creator of the Mm. universe like that every morning and that he chooses to be with me like that every morning, every day. It's just, it's, it's mind boggling. And so, um, so yeah, my soul really is fed in those encounters, I would say.
0: That's beautiful. How about you, Missy? (laughs) Well, to follow that, um,
2: (laughs) 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 I would say, um, you know, our we we live a pretty busy life, mm-hmm. so I think any moments of rest are soul feeding. Right.
0: Um, what does that look like for you? Because everybody rests differently. Not doing anything. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> like not leaving the house, just right. being with the kids. Right. Um, not having agendas, right. or just getting to do what I want to do. Um, like going to the gym if I want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's what it looks like. I would love to curl up with a book but three kids don't let you do that so um
1: and missy has really deep deep friendships that she developed back in texas
2: yeah so that would be um so do you get to talk i do talk with them there's a group of five of us that have been friends since we were i don't even know some of some of it goes back to second and third grade between second and third grade and eighth grade we all met and um and their friendships mean a lot. So um, Marco Polo, <laughs> silly, silly right. as silly as it sounds, but Marco Polo really um, keeps us connected. Right. Like it's just um, being a part of each other's life. So one's in Kansas, one's in Georgia, two are in Texas, and I'm here. And um, just being able to connect with them who have known me through so many
0: different seasons helps. Yeah, you can't replicate history like that. No. That's, and it's or, important to have just people... That just Death, get, just yeah. get it. They just know. You don't have to explain.
2: Yeah, there's everything. a knowing that's not that that's hard to come by when you make adult friendships. But mm-hmm. but they're, it's been fun doing all of life with them, and
0: several of them are in ministry, so Good. it really helps. So, what is your growing edge right now? So, what are some challenges where you feel like you're being grown, stretched?
1: Uh, for me, I, I feel like the Lord has been taking me through this process of um, there's like these three phases where you the first phase is you receive something. The second phase is it, it sort of changes your identity. You become mm-hmm. you become that thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But the third phase is then giving it away. Mm-hmm. So to me, the Lord has kind of highlighted this, this, that process as being kind of a um, like a pregnancy mm-hmm. where there's conception in the first phase and then gestation in the second phase where there's a. There's a carrying of that thing before you can give it away to others. And so I'm really focused on things like, well, what I feel like I have received. So love, for example, I have received God's love. And then it's been this process of carrying God's love and and being letting his love change my identity to like I am his beloved son. Mm -hmm. But the growth edge for me right now is that third that third phase which is when I go to pray for someone I want them to feel more than just my love for them Mm -hmm. I hope that's true that they know that I love them but I want them to feel the father's love so what does it look like for me to carry the father's love in such a way but then to be able to give it away Mm -hmm. so that when I pray for someone they actually experience how much the father loves them or peace so you know, receive his peace mm-hmm. and then I carry his peace with me wherever I go but then that growth edge for me is it can't just stop with me like mm-hmm. it can't just be where I'm experiencing his peace it has to be that when I go pray for someone they experience the peace of Christ right um, so that's the thing I'm constantly that's constantly like in my conversation with the Lord let me say it that way is is all about that third phase mm-hmm. right now it's all about I love that you've given me these things to carry. But I want everyone around me to right. experience that. So how do I give it away? How do I release it in a way where they experience the love of the Father, the peace of Christ, mm-hmm. or, or, or healing, or whatever it is right. that I'm trying to give away? Like, um, that's, that's the growth edge for me is learning how to do that, how, how to give it away.
0: Right. I feel like that would be a constant, constant receiving yeah, kind of just stating and then mm-hmm. giving away. I mean, it, it would be a constant cycle. Yeah. Of doing that.
1: Absolutely, and I feel like those first two phases I'm much more um, successful at. If that, mm-hmm. I don't know if "successful" is the right word, but um, it's that third one that I'm still mm-hmm. <laughs> that I've got to grow in. I guess. Sure is sure. giving giving it away so that the people around me can tangibly experience mm-hmm. that, you know.
0: That's great. How about you, Missy? Gosh,
2: I don't know. I can't. I've been thinking about this question so much, and I can't figure it out. Um. I don't know. I think. Um, it's hard to tell right now because. Next, in in starting in January, I'm going to go back to work full time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like. I feel Which like so much is going to shift. Right. People may
1: be listening to this right now in January, so right when this gets oh. aired, you may already be back to work. All right, full well. time.
2: So I feel like there's a lot of unknowns mm-hmm. that are that's starting here in the next six weeks or so. Um,
0: how do, How do you process those?
2: How do I process unknowns?
0: Unknowns like that with something coming up. Um, I mean, do you? I actually
2: them? do better with unknowns okay. than with knowns. <laughs> um, Tell me. Tell me about that. (laughs) Um, I feel a lot better when I I don't know what to expect because then I don't feel any control over it. Mm. So um, I feel like I I actually feel better about that because I usually can just, there's just a wait and see. Right. And um, and so I I usually do better with that. Like when I can anticipate what something's going to be like, that's when I might be more anxious. Mm Mm-hmm because then I feel like I've got things to do to prepare for it. So I have no clue what it's going to be like. I haven't right. been full-time since Nate was one. Right. Um, so I feel like my growing edge is going to be about how to figure out how to be all things well. <laughs> um, or be okay with not being right. all things well. Right. Um, I, it's I, going to
0: be a shift for our family, so we've got to figure that out. I recently heard Jen Johnson from Bethel talking about balance and how you, that that's an impossibility to, to yeah. have a, like a 50-50 or any kind of balance. It's more a, it's a, a rhythm. shifting and a
2: rhythm. That's what I actually read just this morning. Um, Becky Kaiser in Sacred Holidays said she hates balance, but she likes rhythm. And I right. thought, I like that too. I, I thought that was a good way of of thinking about that. Because there isn't, there's going to be, there, especially with teaching, you know right. this. There are, periods of my semester that teaching requires more of me it, it, it takes over for a while yeah and right. then there's periods um of the semester where I can give most of my energy to the children and, mm-hmm. and there's just there's different different moments that my life shifts
0: a lot in the semester right. right so finding a new rhythm yeah so I, I think
2: so I, I've got to figure out what that looks like I don't right. know what it's going to be like
0: so that's on the horizon for you, mm-hmm. too. That is. That's a new thing. Yeah. What's on the horizon for you, Mark?
1: Well, I think for the whole family with that, you know, we're we're looking. We li- We have so far lived um, since 2006 in a townhouse. hmm. And, you know, our kids are getting bigger and the townhouse feels. Right. Smaller. They grow. they grow. And they grow <laughs> they get bigger bodies. <laughs> so along with the. Uh, increase of income for Missy um, that's gonna allow us I think to really start looking at single-family houses Mm -hmm. uh, which means moving Mm -hmm. which means new schools maybe for the kids and new neighborhoods and so in the next year and a half there's potentially a lot of change in our family so that's definitely on the horizon uh, navigating that and I think for me and Missy it means getting those rhythms in line together Mm -hmm. so that we're both in the same rhythm in that. But we're excited about that. We've kind of been waiting. I tell people there's about a decade to a decade and a half, about 15 years if you have three kids, where you live in poverty and with (laughs) sleeplessness. Um, And then you come out of that season. That's the grow. it's the raising little kids season. And then everyone sort of goes back to work full time and Mm -hmm. there's more income and there's more and kids are in school
3: mm-hmm.
1: all day, and that's different. Mm-hmm. So we are right. We are one, essentially, one year, a year and a half away from the end of that 15 years of, of darkness. Right. So, no, it's not. <laughs> it's 10 <laughs> years.
2: It was 10 years. It'll be.
1: Is it, is it only 10? Because
2: what? It's going to be 10 in yeah. June. So 11 years. Right. Okay.
1: So it'll, what, it'll be like 12 or 13 by the time we're done? I don't know. Anyway, it's not darkness. It's no. joy. It's love. But right. it is poverty and sleeplessness. So the, we're, we're, we're about to transition right. out of that into dealing with, like, kids that have middle school problems. Yeah. And <laughs> that's fun. Um, but so there's a big shift there. And I would say for me personally, I would love in my 40s at some point to go um, get a doctorate of ministry. Mm-hmm which when you go to seminary, you get a master's of divinity um, and that's like a three-year degree and then you could go get a PhD after that or you could go get what's called a doctorate of ministry,
3: right.
1: uh, which is sort of the more practical advanced degree than a PhD. And a lot of people that don't necessarily want to be professors, but they want to be pastors, but they want, they want to continue their education, go get a doctorate right. of ministry. I've had some buddies do that and uh, that's definitely something I'd like to pursue in the next decade, let's say.
0: (laughs) That's great. So you guys got a lot coming up. Yeah. That's exciting. Thanks so much for sharing today. Thank you. I know that everybody listening is going to love you a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks for listening, everyone. If you'd like more information about Horizon Church, check out our website, horizontowson.com. We are a community where you will be loved and have an opportunity to be loved. Thanks for joining us on the horizon.